Sluts and Scholars. So welcome to our first try, our first episode of Sluts and Scholars. We're doing this podcast because, at least in my life, I have confronted a lot of times how to balance myself as a sexual woman or as a sexual person and also someone who is intelligent and taken seriously. So I know I've published videos where people are like, oh, what? You you can't do that in the video if you want to be taken seriously as a scholar or a professional. And I'm like, well, why can't I be a slut and a scholar at the same time? I think you're a really great slutty scholar. Or a scholarly slut, whichever one you prefer. I'll take either, honestly. So my first guest, who you just heard from, (laughs) we will call her Simone. And I brought Simone in today because she is very smart. She is very worldly. She went to a prestigious school on the East Coast and is now applying to law school and does things in politics and for feminist rights. And she's a genius. But she's also... Nicoletta! I'm giving you an introduction, so sorry. just like let me, you know, talk you up. Okay, sorry. So that people think they can take you seriously. Um, so she is also in our conversations. I have found um, pretty confident with herself as a woman and her sexuality. So I'm hoping that she can help us explore how she has been a slut and a scholar. I am happy to. Um, and for anyone who's wondering what we wear, what we're wearing, we are wearing naughty schoolgirl outfits. And there will be pillow fights and, and all the things you'd imagine. That's got, that slutty scholars do. And then we'll sit down and read, you know, Dante's Inferno and talk about, <laughs> I don't even know, what would we talk about? The Latin versification. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so today's topic is going to be about masturbation. And obviously there's a lot of things we could talk about here, but... The first thing I want to ask you, Simone, is tell me about your first experiences of knowing that you were a sexual being. Oh, my goodness. My first experience of knowing that I was a sexual being. So I was a a very sexual child without realizing that I was a very sexual child. Uh, One time um, my mother took me to her yoga class And I was seven or eight and I was doing something and her yoga teacher commented on how much sexual tension I had in my stomach, (laughs) which is like a weird thing to say about an eight-year-old girl if you're like a man in spandex. But that's how that went. Um, So I think, yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, I I guess, yeah, I always thought a lot about sex as a kid. I, uh, I didn't realize I had a vagina until I was like, 10 I thought you had to cut a hole but I like thought about like so did you cut a hole before every time you peed or we don't pee out of your vagina Nicoletta you pee out of your urethra that is a great point see look how smart she is well speaking of vagina versus urethra versus clitoris it wasn't till like sophomore or junior year of college that I realized how far away my urethra was from my clitoris and I was very embarrassed that it took me that long as someone who but was, most of us aren't taught about this stuff. That's why we're doing this. Right. But I like to feel like I am like a very sexually aware person. Like I was the person in third grade that was like teaching my friends about periods and like that there were these things called tampons and these things called pads and like that's what was going to happen or or yeah, I, well back to the back to the operation thing. So I thought you had to cut a hole to have a vagina instead of just being like that's fucking insane and someday I'm going to have to get surgery to be a woman which is like a very interesting 
whatever, side note. Some people do get surgeries to be women. Well, you can be a woman without surgery, but... Of course. You are full of these amazing points today, and as the (laughs) sex therapist or sexologist, I'm like, I feel like I'm saying all the wrong things, so I'm so glad you're here to point out all these things that I'm missing. You're not saying anything wrong. You're saying things, and I think that's why we're here, to, like, figure out, like, the things that we think and the things that we say and, like, what they all mean, but... To come to the point about the whole thing, which is not a thing that this is not a thought that I've ever had before, but because I was so like, normally I think if you have to have, if you, if you believe that you're going to be forced to have an operation as a child, I think you think of it fearfully and you're very worried about it. But I knew that I was very excited for the day I would get my vagina. I mean, that's an exciting day. Like, I remember, like, lying in my bed and kind of touching myself, like, thinking about the day when I would be like, okay, now I'm a vagina, now I have a vagina, and I'm now a sexual person. And I very much associated that with being, like, with, like, being a sex worker, that, like, your parents groomed you to be a sex... This is, like, a weird... I don't... How did you come up with these ideas? I, I saw an episode of Friends where they went to a strip club... Oh, I love that one because they play this song of Depeche Mode that I really like. Okay, so I was not really allowed to see Friends growing up. Like my like my my mother never censored my reading, but she did censor the uh, films and TV that I watched. So like I couldn't watch Friends, but I read like Lady Chatterley's Lover. <laughs> so like that's my child. That's like one of the most feminist sexual books. Yeah. Like it kind of started it. Yeah, but I don't even know if I understood it. I was like eight. <laughs> At least you were well read. Um. But no, so I remember seeing that and I kind of was aware that I wasn't supposed to be knowing about strippers and I just like was very attracted to the idea of being one. And so like I had all these like little fantasies as a child of like operations that I would have that you needed to like be a stripper, which is like such a weird thing to think about because that's amazing. But like, yeah, I can't believe I'm telling you this. This is kind of embarrassing. How is it embarrassing? Because it, it, because it wasn't like a sexual, obs- I mean, I guess it was a sexual, I guess I spent a lot of my childhood thinking about myself as a sexual person or object. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's more, yeah, I don't know. I guess like, I, and it's so weird. Like, I'd like to think that watch that, that episode of Friends had nothing to do with it. But I do think that if I'd never seen that episode of Friends and like thought about the concept of strippers and like seen strippers and like had no other exposure to them then I wouldn't have had these like crazy fantasies not fantasy in terms of sexual desire but fantasy in terms of like what I'm able to imagine that lifestyle is about is is about and what you need for that lifestyle yeah but so I would like try to stick money and stuff there no bills because I was a small child but I would try to hold coins between my labia how many could you hold (laughs) I'm like impressed. I wonder if you can still do these tricks. To be honest, ah, I think it's very easily to hold, easy to hold coin because like I didn't realize that they put it in their underwear. I thought you had to hold it with your vulva. Well, this is very important for those of you out there listening. If you do want to stick coins in your labia, make sure that you clean them first because yeah. a lot of people touch coins. Yeah, I think it's so, fucking disgusting that I put on- coins in my. In, in, it didn't. I didn't put them in my vagina because I didn't realize I had one. I thought, don't forget, I thought I had to cut that. Right, it was a, your pre-vagina. My pre-vagina. Um, but I, uh, yeah, yeah, I I would like hold in my labia, and yeah. I, I could hold a lot, probably like 10 coins. Well, I think it's 10 to 15. 
That's really like, impressive. I would like stand. There are shows that would hire you. I would stand on the sink in my bathroom and like look at the coins that I could hold. This is so embarrassing. It's like I a piggy know, bank, like I don't a Simone know if you bank. Can, if I want this to be on the internet, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I don't think it's embarrassing at all. Maybe I can tell you some stories about about me that will give make me you... your give me your labial coin equivalent. Well, I think I think what's interesting about saying like, well, it's embarrassing because I think we're even if you have a liberal family, whether it's like a show or whatever, we're kind of taught that like this exploration is wrong or embarrassing or like something that shouldn't be talked about. But most kids are born as sexual beings. Like even baby boys can get erections and baby girls <laughs> can get like wet. And so, really? yeah, even though it's not maybe sexual and of course they're not matured, it, unless you're, you know, feel or designate yourself as asexual, pretty much we're born as sexual people. So, you know, this people can figure out from an early age that like touching yourself down there feels good. Some people even have their first experience like riding on their parents' lap, you know, like, oh, going for a pony ride. And they're oh. like, oh, this is amazing. Um, Interesting. And so... I'll tell you a little bit about what I would do, and then maybe you'll feel comfortable to tell me a little more about your labial adventures. <laughs> that would be a great book. Um, so I don't remember when I first realized. I mean, I think much like you, I didn't think it was sexual at the time, but I really enjoyed what I called exercising. <laughs> And so now I hate exercising. I mean, not sex, but I don't like actual exercising. But the exercising at the time was I figured out that if I like grinded on a pole of sorts, like a lamppost or like a fireman's pole at the park, um, pretty much anything like long, hard and straight, that if I like grinded up and down it for long enough that like it would feel amazing or I would orgasm. Of course, I didn't know it was an orgasm at the time. So lucky for me, we lived across the street from a park for a while and so I would go there for hours to exercise. <laughs> <laughs> I like that that's funny for you. This was like important exercise for me. I took this very seriously. Like I had a regiment, you know. No, I'm just trying to think about other things People that I did as a child. What I was doing? No, like oh. I know <laughs> that's the other thing. No, but like things that I like told my parents that I was doing when I like very much was not doing that. I'll figure it out. Go. So tell me about your exercise. What'd you do? So, I mean, I think my mom was kind of proud because she was a, a trainer and my dad was a professional athlete. So they were like, oh, yeah, exercise. Oh, yeah. They're foreign, by the way. I wasn't Both just of them? doing it. No, my dad is. But um, so my exercises happened as much as I could get. And when I wasn't able to go to the park, I just um, want to know what you did at the park. Like I had clothes on, but I would sort of hold myself up on the pole <laughs> um, with like my hands by my chin, sort of like you do like a chin up. And I would wrap my legs around the pole and just sort of like <laughs> contract my like pelvic muscles and my stomach doing muscles. Kegels. I was doing Kegels and like rubbing on it for a long amount of, it was sort of like dry humping. Um, and I, I wonder now what other people like were thinking I was doing, but uh, I'm telling you, I had like really strong arms because I must have held myself up there for like a really long time. But I remember my, I had a, where we used to have, you know, the four post beds. Um, that reminds me of that Sugar Ray song. But anyway, I was like, my dad loves Sugar Ray. Really? Yeah. He's so weird. I love Sugar Ray. Um, so we had like one of those poster beds. And so I was like grinding up on, you know, I was doing my exercise and my dad and my parents came in one time and my dad realized what I was doing. And he was like, oh my gosh, honey, like to my mom, what, what do we do? 
And my mom's like, oh, it's okay. She's almost done. Just let her finish. <laughs> I'm going to let you finish. I'm going to let you finish. So it was like, that's so good. Luckily, I had somewhat sex positive parents who allowed me to finish my exercises. But I think a lot of parents would say, you know, they would stop them or say that's not okay or they would get really weirded out. I think that's where the masturbation issue and like a lot of our sexual issues start coming from is the way that our parents handle when they realize that we're sexual beings. Because yeah. I think it freaks them out to be like, oh my gosh, I have this five-year-old kid who's masturbating or humping and pillows. I, and I don't think it's necessarily that parents are uncomfortable with their children being sexual beings. I think it's just parents are uncomfortable with thinking of children as sexual beings in yes. general. Yes. And so it's like very hard to broach sexual topics with what we in our mind consider asexual mm -hmm. beings. And I think that probably is what throws a lot of people. And I, I mean, I don't know. You probably know much more about this than I do with your upcoming PhD in human sexuality. Thank you. But I would, I would, uh, I would guess that one of the ways I, I would guess that like shaming masturbation is probably born out of parents' own discomfort mm -hmm. at acknowledging that their children are masturbating and are sexual beings. Yeah, well, it's not most of the parents' fault. I mean, I imagine they didn't have much sex education. Their parents didn't feel comfortable. So how have they known to even explore their own sexuality, let alone explain it to another human being? Yeah. It's so interesting that you talked about like your parents walking in on you masturbating. I was actually talking about... Exercising. Exercising. <laughs> that you talked about your parents walking in on you. I'm like imagining like your parents walking in on you like in down dog because you were like just doing yoga and they're being like, oh, nice. She's almost done. She's, she's almost done with the sun salutation. But I was talking with actually another friend of mine about masturbation the other day. And and he had also had like a, an experience of, of, of being told like, don't do that or, or like getting caught masturbating. And I don't know. I don't. I have no recollection of ever having been caught masturbating. And I don't know if that's either that A, I was never caught masturbating or B, when it did happen, it wasn't an experience of having been caught and then shamed and like, we've caught you doing this thing you're not supposed to be doing. And maybe my parents just handled it with like levity grace. or yeah, or grace or aplomb or whatever. So I have no recollection of ever being caught, but I did masturbate a lot. Like I, so you discovered exercising I discovered taking showers. Mm, with the like shower handle? Mm-hmm. The shower head. So my shower head was like detachable and had oh, like those a were cable. Great. Those are great. So amazing. Discovered it. Didn't realize I was having orgasms. Just did this thing that I really liked until I couldn't handle it anymore. Um and did that a lot. And it was like kind of a contentious issue in my family because my parents didn't want us locking the bathroom door in case we like slipped and fell in the shower and were unconscious. Neurotic Jewish parents. Yeah, I, I understand that. But I was very <laughs> nervous that they would walk in on me showering and act. Oh, oh my God, my mom's calling. Mommy? Hi, Sammy. Did I wake you up? It's nothing urgent. I'm just doing a, a, a like a podcast with a friend of mine. And I wanted to ask you if you ever caught me masturbating. Uh, not exactly. Could you elaborate? Uh, do you remember the time you were in the kitchen and pretended she didn't know what it was? And you looked at her, you must have been seven. And you said... Oh, come on. 
you know, like, <laughs> with a, like, you know, with a pillow or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we were talking about masturbation at the table and Vita said, I don't know what masturbation is. And then I said, oh, something you know, like with that. a pillow. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> I love your mom. I want to meet her. This is my friend Nicoletta. She's wonderful. I can't wait for you to meet her. Sorry we woke you. This was obviously very important. Oh, I guess so. Okay, so we you never go back to sleep. I love you, Mommy. I love you. We love you. Bye, Nicoletta. Bye-bye. Your mom is great. She is so great. She, oh, no, my mother's the best. My mother, she did this thing where growing up, all of her children had nightstands that had drawers, and she promised us that she would never open our nightstand drawer. And like that was our what private a nice way to space. Give you some privacy. She was like, "That is your space. I will never go in it. It is for you." And I think because of that, because I knew if I wanted to keep something from her, I could. I was just very open with her about everything else. And we're supposed to be talking about masturbation, not parenting techniques. But I think that's an important thing to say. Was about parenting techniques. So if there's any parents out there listening or soon to be parents, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it's important to learn and figure out how to talk to your kids about masturbation and sex and to know how to handle it. If you quote unquote catch your kids masturbating, um, yeah. it sounds like your mom was pretty positive about it, gave you privacy and was, you know, good experience. Yeah, I mean, the privacy wasn't really about master. The dry nightstand drawer wasn't really about masturbation. But, like, I think it's so interesting that— but Who knows what you're keeping in your nightstand drawers? It, it could be like all those condom, coins. You no, know, it was, like, Twix bars for a really long time. Like, various candy bars and then, like, condoms and, like— Labia coins. coins. <laughs> <laughs> no labia coins. That was in the bathroom. No, my nightstand drawer had, like, Twix bars and condoms. And, like— The essentials. The butts of joints that I, like— <laughs> couldn't throw out anywhere because I didn't want my parents finding them. <laughs> you don't want to litter. Like I went back home like 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 in college I would go back home and I would like open the door and there would still be like butts from high school in there. <laughs> it was so funny. Okay so I'm curious what else did you figure out felt good to like use for masturbation and I want to share maybe something that I've thought of. Um, well so there was the pole at the park. Exercising. Exercising. Um, there was the lamp lamp posts. Lampos, they have ridges, though. But some people like ridges. Some people like ridges. So lampposts, bedposts. Um, I have some friends that have talked about pillows or, like, making a, a pillow person or at a least, like, a, yeah, a pillow hump grinding on it. Um, I have some guy friends who really enjoyed um, couches, like the side, the arms of couches. What do you mean? What do they do with the arms of couches? Um, just, like, humping. Oh, just, like, humping it. Okay. Um, I was talking with some friends earlier about, uh, like, pool jets. Oh my gosh! Stronger pool jets. Yeah, you have, I have fond not memories. Thought about those in forever. Okay, well that brings me to the point that I want to talk about about masturbation is that I feel like when we were younger, we were, we're so, so creative. creative. Yes, Simone is very excited about pool jets, and I am too. Well, I think I've just always been very like most of my masturbation as a child was water based. Like the shower head was huge for me. <laughs> um. Huge. I, like, it was just, I just would do it, and I would, like, collapse on the floor of the shower, like, pressing it to my clit, like, like unable to, like, do anything except, like, put more water pressure on my clit for, like, <laughs> it's, like, insane to think about. Like, that was, like, me. I guess, like, I, I guess we just have discomfort with the idea of imagining, like, an eight-year-old masturbating furiously. I think there is a discomfort with that, and 
I don't know, if you were like a client or I mean, even a friend, obviously, I would just say like, there's a difference between what we imagine in our head or fantasies. And like, if we hear something sexual, I think as humans, we listen and pay attention, but that doesn't mean you're going to like do anything about it. No, for sure. And I don't think that like you or like the vast majority of your listeners are going to do anything about it. But part of me does have concern about providing, uh, part of me does have a concern about providing fodder for like pedophiliac fantasies. Well, and I know you do a lot of work in like minor attracted individuals. Yeah. Well, that's not this podcast, but if you're interested in that topic, we can do a future podcast. Yeah. About that. I guess that's just what my concern is. But like back to the showerhead, one more thing I will say about my trusty old showerhead is whenever and to this day, sometimes I'll meet women who have never masturbated or claim they've never masturbated. This happened a lot more in high school than it does now that I'm like 26. But I would meet girls that had never masturbated and I'd be like, and I would be like, okay, you got to go to the shower and you got to take the shower head and you got to put it right there. And like, I would just like teach my friends. Good for you. And they would report back. No one else was teaching them probably. Or like you could lie under the faucet part of the bath. Yeah. I would tell all these people to do that. That's often what I tell, if I'm working with a client that hasn't had an orgasm or is struggling, as we would call anorgasmic, that's often one of the like starter steps of masturbation is like erotic style baths and trying out the shower head or trying out like where the water comes out and Uh, just yeah exactly like seeing uh, how it feels so let's think of some more creative things that we used to use or could use that are like household appliances oh my gosh when did we lose that creativity i think when we were younger because maybe we didn't know it was quote-unquote bad or shameful we were so creative and found these things on our own, whether it was pillows or lampposts or coins or whatever it was. And now I feel like we've become so shut off because of our like culture and society, whatever, blah, 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 that now we've kind of stopped being creative. I would agree with that. And I'm excited to explore like what other creative ideas we can come up with now. But I would like to counterpoint with what you just said and that perhaps as a child, we're forced to be creative because we don't yet... Like, part of me feels like I don't need a shower head anymore, or I don't need a pool jet, or I don't need to go horseback riding. Oh, my God, you loved horseback riding. It all makes sense now. But that part of the reason we did that is because we didn't realize that we could just use our hands. And, like, now I'm just, like, so good with my hands that it's, like, why go to the effort? But I agree, we should spice it up because then it's like too easy. You fall into an orgasmic rut of, like, this one thing makes you come very easily, and then you just do that. Yeah, or even like things to spice up with your partner mm-hmm. or new things to try out. I was at an electronic store and I kept on looking at all of these household appliances and like. Well, there's that. Did you see that Sex in the City episode from forever ago? So, That's so good. If you don't watch Sex in the City, one of the characters, Samantha, who was a very sexual character who I loved. She's so good. She, this was back before Sharper Image would call their personal massagers personal massagers. So that was another thing I used when I was younger. Was they were neck massagers. Right. The whole episode is neck massage. So my mom thought she was doing me a solid, and I don't think she realized what a solid she was doing me by getting me all these massagers because I was a competitive athlete. And so she was like, oh, for your quads, for your IT bands. I don't think she knew it was like, for your pussy. Ah! Um, <laughs> so I had so many awesome massagers. Do you still have them? I don't think I have those same ones, but I should invest in some. They were expensive. These were like high tech with multi-speed, like, I don't don't know. Wow. That's so interesting. So, uh, yeah, because I remember that episode of Sex in the City where Samantha's like, I'm here to return my vibrator. And they're like, 
that's a personal neck massager. And she's like, it's a vibrator. And she, the person's like, I'm not going to, if it's a vibrator, I'm not going to take it back. It's a personal neck yeah, massager. She's, like, like, it's like, a, it she's <laughs> like, it broke. She's like, yeah. Overuse. And so I was at an electronics store and I saw personal massagers and I immediately thought of that episode. And I was like, should I buy this? It was $14.99 and it had multiple heads. And I was like, wait, tell yeah. me more. That's, I feel like that's cheap. It's so cheap. I was like, I got to spend the money on it, but I didn't. Well, where can we buy these I, cheaper at, ones? This was at Fry's Electronics. We can have a field trip. Oh my gosh, was it the Fry's that has like a saloon? The spaceship. spaceship. It's the spaceship Fry's in Burbank for those that are wondering. That's amazing. Um, But as a child, I do know that I used my electric toothbrush. Yeah, I know lots of people that still use tooth like electric toothbrush. It, it's like a little painful, but also a little nice. So I don't know, maybe you could dull it with, what about like a blanket over it or like condom over it or something? Oh my gosh, that's really smart. I don't have an electric toothbrush anymore. But I like, yeah, a condom over would probably be really well, good. Well, you should invest in one for your vaginal and dental hygiene. My vulva. Very important. <laughs> your vul- vulva. My vulvar. Vulvar hygiene. But it would really it would really just be clitoral. Actually, no, it might be nice with all, anywhere else on, on the vulva. I'm like okay. a big proponent of saying vulva and clitoris instead of vagina. Because honestly, like vagina stuff is good for me, but it's not what does it for me. I've talked about this in some of my Instagram little mini clips if you haven't seen them, but... Simone, will you define for us the difference between vagina and vulva? Oh, uh, sure. I mean, to the best of my abilities. Um, so the vagina is quite literally the canal, the, the entrance and then the canal that is in between the, uh, I guess it kind of starts where the inner labia ends and then probably goes up until the cervix. And that's it. Just that canal. And then the cervix starts and then you have the uterus and just that. And that's the point of penetration. Yes. Generally the point of penetration by, you know, fingers or penises or whatever um, it's where the baby eventually comes out of, but the baby has to pass through the cervix as well. Um, if there is a baby one day, but so yeah, the vagina is just like the tunnel, right? And then the vulva is the whole glorious land around the tunnel. Glorious land. So we're going to continue this tunnel metaphor. If your vagina is the Lincoln tunnel, your vulva is New York fucking city. Oh, so I would much rather spend time. Playing in New York City. Yeah, then like stuck in traffic in the tunnel. But it's good. The tunnel's good because you can go into the tunnel. And, like sometimes it's cool and there's that. And cool then go s- out of the tunnel. And yeah. Go in the tunnel. Or it, could, or it could be like the <laughs> Holland Tunnel where it says like New York, New Jersey and you like know when you're going through. Like sometimes it's fun to go in the tunnel. But there's also a, there's way more than just the tunnel. You There's labia and then there's the mons pubis, which is the upper upper like more fleshy part often where there's pubic hair um and then there's the clitoris which is great don't worry i will do a visual youtube video of this so yeah. we can get a much better picture of all the things that yeah. she's talking about there's just about. like so many parts of it and like all of them feel differently all of them react differently to different sorts of touches and it's like it's like it's like we are not getting fingered for the first time anymore ladies like it's not just about sticking a finger in there there's like so much other stuff to touch and play <laughs> so much with. other stuff to put in <laughs> Well, not just no, I know it. what you mean. <laughs> no, but seriously, if you're with a partner who's literally just fingering you, and by fingering I mean just mean sticking your their finger in your vagina, you gotta say something because that is unfucking acceptable. Unless you like it like that. Unless that is what you want. Unless that is if that is what you want, then that is fine. So I wonder what other items we could think of that could be used. Are you asking me a leading question? Do you have an idea for one? No, I want to know if you can think of any. Okay, electric toothbrush, personal massager. Pool deck. Okay, okay. And my family, I this is like a this is like very elaborate. I don't think you could use it for like full masturbatory purposes. Like I don't think you could do this enough to come. 
But in my family, this started off when with my sister as a child. Um, we went over a speed bump in the car, mm. and my sister goes, that gave me a funny feeling in my vagina. <laughs> and so now, whenever we're in the car as a family, everyone, including my brother, <laughs> will all go, wow, that gave me a funny feeling in my vagina. <laughs> so I guess that was alluding to, like, pleasure. Yeah, definitely. Oh, like, what I know that... You and I are both roller coaster junkies, but oh. like when you're going down on a roller coaster, I feel like that stomach drop feeling is sort of like I f- sometimes feel like my vagina just like dropped out of my body, and it's mm. a, this amazing out of body experience. That's so cool. We we should use our season pass to Six Flags and just yeah, go exactly. Master. <laughs> we should be on their commercials, like all commercial. the fun things you could do at Six Flags. Oh my god, yeah. But if you if you do the commercials, then you have to ride the roller coasters over and over and over again, and then maybe. Because enough stimulation, you'll come. Of course. I do think it's interesting. I've seen some sex toys that are made to look like vegetables, but they're like synthetic or silicone or whatever. Um, (laughs) But I do know people that use vegetables. So I would say there are so many ways that you can be creative, but obviously the normal way that you would like clean your sex toys or I don't know, the materials that are safer to use for masturbation. I think that's something to take into account when you're just like figuring out what you want to use to masturbate. And I mean, I think we've been focusing a lot on female masturbation, but I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't know a lot about male masturbation to BH. Yeah. Who gives hand jobs anymore? We're not in seventh grade. Okay, you know what? Just kidding. There is so much to say for the adult hand job. And by adult hand job, I mean like making sure you have lube on hand, like literally. Can you believe we used to, I mean, I don't know if you did this, but, like, we used to, like, jerk boys off with no lube. Like, as children. Not children. As as children. (laughs) This is a child and pandemic. No, but, like, that was, like, a thing that I did. Like, grab a dry dick with my dry hand and, like, tug at it. Yeah, sandpaper. So interesting. Okay, so tell me about, sell me on the adult hand job. I'll do it. If it's someone that I really like, I'll do it because I like being able to like look at them. Well, the adult hand job, of course, everybody likes it different. But again, I think lube or some sort of spit usually isn't going to cut it um, for the entirety of it, unless you've also been like giving them oral sex for a while. And you. No, get but that's that. what I'm saying. Like, I'm talking about Just solely manual yeah. stimulation. From erection to orgasm. Okay, great example. As an adult, can you do this? Let's say. Like a hetero relationship, a woman has her period and she doesn't feel like having sex, doesn't want to have sex, whatever, or even not having her period, just like not in the mood. Um, yeah, because I was going to say, if I'm on my period, I'm sure as shit not giving you a hand job. <laughs> well, I guess we both have different styles. <laughs> Here, I'll give you an example. Let's say a couple just went out to dinner, they're feeling very full, they are also horny, but they're not really feeling able to like, Get on top or thrust and do that stuff. But it's like, oh, we just had this nice dinner. Maybe we want to like get intimate. I think mutual masturbation can be Mm. a cool thing to do. Um, And if you're wanting to help your male partner out, um, the adult hand job, I would say, is definitely lube. Obviously, if you want to like include some oral in there, you know, you do you. Um, There are so many ways to do it. I often think it can be a sexy thing to ask your partner, like, show me how you like it. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Because then, you know, if they like sort of that, like, circular, like, screwdriver motion or just straight up and down, 
Um, and also when you're asking them to show you, then you don't actually have to do it. <laughs> it sounds like you really don't like giving hand jobs. Honestly, I have found I think them it's to just be that I, like, so love, fun. I think it's just that I love giving heads so much and I'm like so good at it that like whenever I'm giving a hand job, I'm like, why am I doing this? <laughs> I'm just saying, maybe it's because I... But I've done it. I've, I, I guess it's more... I guess I'm sorry to cut you off, but I also think that it's, it's just like... It's, it's like requires a lot of effort, I think, to make someone come using just your hands. Well, some people can't come just from it, but I think if you learn the art of the adult hand job, um, they definitely can. I can no, it's, vouch I, for I, that. I've, I've done it. I've <laughs> done it. I've done it. It's just like... Not for you. <sighs> But I'm not going to yuck your yum. You know, if you love the adult hand job, then like you're going to have that little strong little muscle in your thing. I strengthen my I strengthen my forearms with yoga and you do another form of exercise. Exactly. See, I don't like to like exercise in the way that we know it. You know what? Sex counts as exercise. You burn a fuck ton of calories or you Uh, can. Well, let's let's fast forward a little bit. And I want to get back to get back to topic, even though this has kind of all been on topic. Um, but how do you feel like, have you ever confronted a situation where you felt like you've been discriminated against? I don't just mean as a woman, but since we're on the topic of sluts and scholars, do you feel like that's ever been an issue for you of how to balance being taken seriously as a woman or an attractive woman or whatever, but also being professional? Maybe you haven't. What I think is super interesting is that when you're a person who's comfortable talking about sex, like you are, or I am, um, and you are comfortable talking about your sexuality and other people's sexuality and your sexual beingness, mm-hmm. that for some reason, people that you interact with feel like they can take liberties with their behavior. That it's like, oh, you're comfortable talking about sex, so I can smack your butt. Or you're comfortable talking about sex, so I can be lecherous towards you. And I think that's a really interesting thing, that just because you are comfortable talking about sex within like the confines of your own boundaries. Doesn't mean it's an own, invitation. Doesn't mean it's an invitation. Exactly. And I think that's a really interesting thing to think about that because you talk about sex and you acknowledge that you're a sexual being, then you're like always up for it or always interested or like your standards are lower. But to answer your question, that wasn't, am I a sexual being? But do I feel like people have treated me different in my life because I am a sexual being? Mm -hmm. I think the answer is like, obviously, yes. Right. It's so to, to me, I think talking about sex is really important. And I think. Uh, not only because sex is important, but I think we need to like remove all the taboos surrounding it. And that's how people can live like happy, pleasure filled lives, which is kind of the point of what we're doing here. Yeah, right? which I'm so glad about. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, I am very comfortable talking about my sexuality and, and things like that. And it does manifest, it does sometimes bubble up in some like weird situations. So I work in in media and entertainment like this is Los Angeles and so like I'll be on set and like we'll be talking about stuff and like you know dudes will talk about sex and I'll talk about sex and like other women will talk about sex and it's like whatever it's another conversation Mm -hmm. but then we'll be uh at like a rap part this happened to me at a rap party that I I attended a couple months ago so it's still technically like a it's a social professional situation and one of the one of the camera guys like at the party just like was like grabbing my butt while we were taking a group picture and I was like what the fuck are you doing and he was like what are you talking about like you're down with it you're always talking about sex and stuff Uh, so because you were so open and willing to talk about it he was like you're cool with me just grabbing your ass yes 
And like, that is crazy to me. And like, that's why I think we need to like, like dispel the myth that like, just because you talk about sex means you're like down for anything, anytime, or that it's anywhere an open invitation. with anyone. Yeah. Like my body is not an invitation for your commentary. My ass is not an invitation for your hand. Like, I mean, sometimes it might be, but <laughs> not <laughs> when in that you want context. it to be. But, but so yeah, that's, that's my answer to, to your question, which I think is so important. So I'm turning the table right back on you, Nicoletta. Why do you think it's so important that we address these issues and what kind of discrimination have you faced? Because you're like a sex therapist. So talking about sex is your profession. And like very clearly it's had an effect on like how seriously people take you. My takeaways would be masturbation has some amazing health benefits. Um, I think especially as we age and maybe um, things change down there because the rest of our body is aging, it can be an important thing to keep like collagen and elasticity and um, different hormone production down there. So it's kind of, it really does sort of like if you don't use it, you lose it kind of thing. But just daily things in terms of mood, like dopamine, um, it is exercise. Endorphins. Like, yeah, lots of things. Endorphins make you happy, and happy people don't kill their husbands. <laughs> exactly. Legally blonde. Love it. Um, so that's one takeaway. The second one is that it is very normal for kids to explore themselves and their sexuality from birth, pretty much. And so to figure out how to handle that, how to talk to your kids about it, and yeah, to figure out how it fits into like your faith and spirituality, if that applies to you. My third oh, takeaway. That's a whole other. Combo. Oh yeah, that's a whole other. Let's not I open that box. I hate how religion says masturbation is bad, or not all religion. Never mind. Let's not go there. Totally another topic. Um, yeah, it's just I think hopefully we've inspired you um, to talk about it, and just because you pleasure yourself in one way doesn't mean that you like a person to touch you in that same way. But I think it can be a cool exercise with partners to show each other how you like to please yourself and what you like, Mm. just to share like how you like to be touched, how you like to touch yourself, how you would want them to touch you. So it doesn't always have to be a solo activity. And even though, even though my guest today does not so much like hand jobs. No, I was joshing just for fun. I think <laughs> no, but you don't have to like hand jobs. That's no, no, okay. I, I don't mind them. I just would rather perform oral sex. But I do think one thing that you do bring up is that like to show your partner what you like, I think that can be really helpful because I think a lot of people, myself included, like sometimes have trouble like verbally expressing like I want you to like go in circles or like go side to side not up down yeah it can be really scary it's to much easier what you want. it's really scary it's much easier to kind of just like either take their hand or like show them what you're doing to yourself as well um and then my last takeaway is that if you ever tell me you're exercising Nicoletta I should leave you be for at least 15 minutes 15 that's all the time you're giving me at least <laughs> just that you're it's your own thing you're not inviting me to go on a hike <laughs> We talked about today how creative I think we used to be. Maybe it was out of necessity or because we couldn't afford or didn't have like other things and toys to buy. Or maybe we didn't figure out how to do it with our hands. But I want to challenge you listeners to kind of get back to that like young state of mind and be creative. And we would love to hear from you. So contact me. Let me know ways that you have masturbated or maybe things that you've discovered now. Any recommendations? Yeah. Um, Keep keep it coming. That was so good, Nicoletta. I'm so happy that I got to sit here and talk to you about this Thank stuff. you so much for coming and talking. Coming. <laughs> We're like little kids here. That's exciting. It's fun to laugh, though. So, Simone, thank you for joining us. And 
If you want to hear Simone back again, let us know and we would love to share our stories with you guys. I'm Nicoletta. And I'm Simone. And next week, the topic is porn. Thank you.